Now let's look into God's Word. We're in Philippians chapter 4. And of course, this is our Sunday before Thanksgiving. And uh, we're going to talk about some of that today and going to share with you. But let's read our passage, Philippians chapter 4, familiar passage starting at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Very good words to remember. Perhaps kind of hard to apply. Rejoice. Rejoice in everything. Rejoice always. That means even when you got troubles. Don't be anxious for anything. That's kind of hard too. There's lots to be anxious about. But in everything, the reason we can lower our anxiety, the reason we can rejoice is because we have a loving God who watches over us, who's aware of us, this uh, last week, as you know, I was, I was out. Uh, appreciate uh, Brother Anderson coming and being with you all and filling the pulpit. I've not met the man, but I've heard a lot of good things about him and know he pastored at Pleasureville and recently retired. I've met the new pastor there, Rick. Sue and I were down in uh, Bradenton, Florida, near Sarasota, and the occasion was the 1971 Rift Valley Academy High School was having their 50th reunion. And they invited other years from Rift Valley Academy to come and join them. And Sue graduated in 72. Rift Valley Academy is a school in Kajabi, Kenya. And it is primarily for missionary kids to attend uh, because their parents are missionaries there in country. There's, they typically go to a boarding school. Sue was homeschooled in elementary age but came high school. She went and attended Rift Valley Academy. I've been there. Sue and I went back to Kenya, or she went back. I went for the first time in 2018. Beautiful place. I can see why she loves it. So this was an opportunity for her to see old friends that she went to high school with, and they're scattered all over the world. There were people that live in Africa still. There are people from Hawaii, Michigan. They're all over, as you could imagine. And these are children whose parents were missionaries. I don't know if I've talked about it much or you know, but Sue's parents were Southern Baptist missionaries to Kenya from 1959 until 1989, 30 years. When Sue was four years old, they went to Africa. They did not fly. They took a freighter boat. They were passengers on a freighter. And Sue tells me, and, and I don't know how much she remembers or just being told, that freighter for a, a fence around or a, a border on the deck of the ship just had poles with two cables that ran around. 
certainly plenty of room for a four-year-old could slide through. So I'm sure it was very nervous for her parents, and they had Sue's sister, who was uh, three years younger. So uh, two little children traveling to Africa. The Suez Canal history thing, the Suez Canal was not opened in 1959, so they had to sail all the way to the tip of South Africa and come up on the other side. Certainly an adventure. And if you uh, sit down with Sue and ask her about it, she'll share with you about longing to get on some land so badly that when she saw an island out there, she just wished they'd let her stand on it for a little bit. She remembers seeing the Statue of Liberty fade in the distance as they traveled on this freighter. Later, they were able to fly back, so that was a one-time occasion. But we went down there for her to be able to celebrate almost 50 years for her with uh, the group down there. And I've got a picture, a group picture. Throw that up there for me. Uh, this is all of those that attended. Now, this is spouses and uh, RBA alum. And uh, Sue is right over here behind the lady in the red printed uh, top there. But uh, these... All are missionary kids except for their spouses, and they grew up in Africa, the various parts. Some lived in the Congo, Rwanda, some lived in South Africa, Tanzania, uh, Malawi, all over. But they went to school there in Rift Valley Academy. And Rift Valley is, is a, an old school, started uh, late 1800s, and actually President Teddy Roosevelt laid one of the cornerstones for the school and and as part of that history. Of course, you, you all remember, many of you that know Teddy Roosevelt, that he was a big hunter and would be in Africa hunting. So we were down there, and uh, I got to get to know many of her classmates, and they shared about their time there in Kenya. And it was a good time, but it was a hard time. If you can imagine uh, these young people, children and young people in school and their parents are uh, sometimes hundreds of miles away, you could not see them at all very often. You could not call. Uh, there weren't, certainly weren't cell phones, but even phone service was very lacking. And so they were very much separated and and. Uh, some adjusted well, but some had great difficulty with that. And then the other situation that occurred is they grew up in this African culture, or Kenya has a strong British culture, since it was a British protectorate, a colony, uh, in the 50s. That's when that changed. So they grew up in that, and when they came back to America, there was a culture shock. They're called third culture kids, uh, and there's been books written about it. Sue has been to workshops and, and has actually assisted in some of those because it is such a change from how they grew up, a very protected situation, uh, 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 very secure in a sense, but separated from their parents, and then they come back to America 
and have a freedom that it's hard to know how to handle, and some don't handle it very well. They go on to share many stories about things that occurred while they were there, and it's, uh, it's fascinating to hear Sue talk about it, and one of them that she tells that she didn't experience, it happened uh, uh, right before they got there, and some of you may remember the Mau Mau uprisings in Africa. Anybody remember hearing about the Mau Mau back in the 50s? That's a tribe in Africa, and they were working to try to free Kenya from British rule. And in that process, they were going and just wiping out all kinds of people, white people, uh, those that they thought were a threat to them. And the story goes is that they were coming to attack RVA, this mission outpost, and they, the people knew they were coming, and they had virtually no defenses. It's wide open. There was no army to protect them except the army of God and God. And so they relied on him, and they bowed down in prayer, in prayer session, waiting for this, these uh, uh, rebel soldiers to come in. They never came. Nothing ever happened. Years later, one of the men that was part of that raiding party was now very elderly. And he was asked, we knew you were coming. What happened? And he said, when we approached, when we were on our way, the compound was surrounded by white glowing beings. And they saw angels encamped around the school. And they chose, they knew better than to try to attack. There is this spiritual warfare that goes on. God does have his messengers and they are present. And they were there in this case to protect those workers and children. Fascinating story that uh, Sue shares about Kenya. A funny story is, is they were driving through the backwoods, a couple of missionaries. They were in, one of them was in like a big uh, Chevrolet station wagon. And they were going through and they were following each other on down this dirt road. And the one in front looks in the mirror and they're nowhere in sight. Wondered what happened to them. So, of course, they stop. They go back. They find the car that was behind them. No one's there. So they're starting to fear the worst. So they backtrack some more, see if they can find them. And then here it turns out, two of the men were walking up the path carrying the gas tank. The gas tank had fallen out the bottom of the car from the roads being so rough. And of course, cars go just a little ways and stop because they don't have any gas. So there were adventures like that that they experienced. One of the couples I want to tell you about is a very moving story. The next picture is Jan and Tim Aachen. Jan was at the RVA reunion. Her husband was a missionary who died not too long ago. And she shared a story about him. They were missionary kids, but they went back to be missionaries. And they went back to, they originally were in Congo and in this the case of this story, they were in Rwanda. And again, those of you who keep up with your news know 
the terrible uprisings and slaughters that took place in Rwanda. She tells the story that three times they had to evacuate quickly because they heard rebel soldiers were coming. One time they were kind of caught by surprise and at night the rebel soldiers came in and were just shooting up everything. Bullets were flying everywhere. And Jan tells the story of how her husband pushed her out of bed and told her to get on the floor and they crawled to the children's bedroom made sure the children were safe and again staying low on the floor. And Tim, once he knew his family was protected, they moved into a, an inner room that had no windows to shield them from the bullets that were flying, went out to see if somebody needed help. I have no doubt that Jan was wondering what on earth he was thinking. Stay here with your family. But he went out and he found... Uh, a woman that was alone and needed help, and he got her to safety. The next day they were getting ready to try to evacuate, and he went outside and the rebels showed up again. They started opening fire, and some bullets caught him in his hand, shattered many bones in his hand. He comes back to America and has 13 surgeries trying to get his hand back together. The doctor comes out, says we did the best we could, but we just can't replace some of those knuckles and and rebuild it. And she says, well, will he able to use it? The doctor said, you're not understanding. That hand is never going to work again. We're trying to get it good enough to where he can at least support uh, something as he works. And Jan said she told the doctor, well, I'm not going to tell him that. I'm not going to tell him he'll never have use of his hand. He needed it. He was a mechanic. He was a printer. uh, Needed his hand. So they didn't tell. Years later, Tim was doing mechanic work with his hand. It was a little stiff. Didn't work quite as good. But God had healed it. And the doctor, they were then in Kenya, and the doctor traveled from the Congo to Kenya to see him because he knew he had predicted he would never use that hand. And here his patient had use of it, and he wanted to know how. And they told him about the healing God. And the doctor came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ as his Savior. They experienced these kinds of activities in their life and that's just one story as I said Tim is gone and Jan shared with us Sunday morning uh, this event with uh, some of them knew I'd heard it for the first time I share all that to say we go through troubles and that's an understatement right you know that you've been through challenges in your life you've been through scary times you've been Without, you've had plenty, you've been injured, you've lost loved ones. We go through those times. But as we come into Thanksgiving, we have that opportunity to thank God that He's there with us, that He knows, that He protects. There are several verses that uh, I'll have up there on the screen where it talks about how God remembered. You have a verse in your bulletin 
These are three other verses. Noah and, and the animals are in the ark. And Genesis 8.1 says, And God remembered Noah. He had called Noah to a fantastic task. He was, Noah was ridiculed and mocked. They'd never seen a flood before, never seen rain probably, the Bible tells us. But God remembered Noah. Genesis 19.29, it's when God was uh, issuing his judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's that account where Abraham is saying, well, surely, Lord, what if there's ten faithful? Will you do it for ten? And God says, I won't, I won't destroy it for ten. And, and Abraham keeps on. Unfortunately, there weren't any, and God's going to destroy and, God, and Abraham asked that his nephew Lot be allowed to come out. And it says, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham. And out of his love of Abraham and Abraham's righteousness, he allowed Lot and his family to get out. And then in Genesis 30:22, Rachel was one of the wives of Jacob and, and like, several women in the Bible that we have account of, she could not bear children. And that was so very important in that culture. Don't know if you read my article on the website where in praise of godly women I talk about this, that though we can read the Bible and it sounds like that it's all about men and only men, and that culture was, but God has always stood by to protect women to, uh, to value women, and this is the case with Rachel. It says, and God remembered Rachel. He listened to her prayers and enabled her to conceive. Hannah was another one, the mother of Samuel. God remembers his people. God remembers their situation. And we can have that confidence when we're going through troublesome times and we feel alone and we think we're the only one struggling and it seems like not enough people or anybody cares. We can trust in God's Word that He knows and He cares. And very often, matter of fact, probably most of the time, God works in the invisible realm and we don't see Him working and we don't know He's working but He's always there working on our behalf. He does it in ways that we sometimes don't recognize and don't think. He sends a friend to help at a time of need. He has someone call and say, I've been thinking about you. How are you doing? He, he sends help through a stranger. Matter of fact, one of the things that impresses me, when you study God's Word, you will find most of the time in the upper 90%, the way God works is sending another human to help. There are times when He does something through His power from heaven in a magnificent way, but over and over again, you'll read the way God helped was through another person. And we experience that in our lives. And like I said, too often we don't recognize and we don't think about when someone calls to lift our spirit that that was from God. Or when money mysteriously comes about 
God knew when he sent that. God helps in other ways of, uh, of, of making things kind of change uh, a situation again in Sue and I's life was we uh, had not been married long. We'd had our son, Glenn, and uh, hadn't had Jessica yet, our daughter. Sue went to the doctor about this time of year. Her OBGYN was checked out, and the doctor said, uh, you've got an ectopic pregnancy. Those of you to know know that's serious. It's life-threatening. It's when an egg gets fertilized in the fallopian tubes, and if it should grow and burst, it can take the woman's life. He said, you need surgery right away. And he scheduled surgery during the week of Thanksgiving. Wasn't going to be any Thanksgiving that year. We prayed. We called friends to pray. Sue went in the week before Thanksgiving for that final checkup before surgery. The doctor did his palpitations. Nothing there. Did x-rays. It had cleared up. Completely gone. Sue didn't have to have surgery. Her life wasn't in danger. We had a Thanksgiving that year that that didn't happen. God works in mysterious ways as wonders to perform. You've heard that verse before. So we can take stock that as we're going through these challenging times, God remembers his people. And God works on our behalf. Uh, I know sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes we don't see it. Most times we don't see it. Sometimes the truth is we're stifling that work by our lack of belief, by our hardness of heart. But God remembers and God cares. One other thing I meant to start with that I forgot was I wanted to share with you this shirt I have on is called a katingi. And I learned this weekend a katingi is not that it's a shirt. It's the type of pattern. Sometimes it can be in a long dress. For men, they often wear this kind of shirt. Uh, Thursday night, we had an international night, and they had African food, a meal that they normally uh, would eat over there. Uh, rice, curried chicken, kind of chicken in a curry-flavored sauce. And then they have all kinds of toppings. They'll put out bananas, nuts, coconut, uh, Anything just about you can imagine, you pile this on top of this dish. But they all, the men and the women, wore their katingis, and so I wanted to wear mine today to kind of show you some of the dress. Good times, good times remembering. And my point of sharing the story about them is in spite of all they went through, in spite of the, the separation from their parents, in spite of their personal challenges they face there in spite of the times they've gone back and faced challenges they were all thankful for their time growing up in Africa they're a unique people they have a they have experiences we can't imagine unless you've been in that situation they know languages they would speak Swahili amongst themselves I know 
one or two words. Jambo is hello. Habariaku is how are you. And so there's some Baba is father. That they would speak amongst themselves. But they were thankful that even in spite of the hard times, they valued the times. And that's an attitude we can take. Because life is challenging. It has its difficulties. But we have a God who remembers us. And we have the verse in Romans that we can latch on to that God, for all things, I can't can't pull it out. There's that memory again. All things work together for good for them that love God and live according to his purpose. It doesn't mean everything is good. It means God takes whatever happens and can turn it into good as we live for him and trust him. One other phrase I want to leave you with today. We wondered if our grammaticians would look at the sermon title and think it was a misprint. That uh, It isn't. It's on purpose that it says, thanks living. And the phrase is, if you'll throw that up there for me, Alexa, Thanksgiving happens one time a year. We're going to do that Thursday. Thanks living happens every moment of every day. Thanking God that he loves us, for those who have accepted him, that he saves us, that he's helped us through the situation. And so as we have Thanksgiving this year, I encourage you to develop a life of thanks living, thanking God in all things, rejoicing in Him, not being anxious, not because there's no trouble, but because He knows and He's there. And we can have true joy as we live in thanks before God Almighty. Let's go to word and prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we know the troubles we've had in our life. We've known the need. need. We remember times we were short on funds, couldn't buy groceries or get gas to go to work. We remember times of extreme illness, times of danger, times of hardship. Lord, we're here today. Lord, you see us through and you know. You want us, Lord, to understand your love for us, that we can trust that you'll see us through each and every situation. And so, Father, as we celebrate on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, my prayer is that each of us can grow in our faith that when the bad times in life come, we can know that you haven't forgotten us, you haven't abandoned us, you remember us, you remember our need, and that while we may not see the answer when we want it, as quick as we want it, we can trust that you are working on our behalf. And we can go on with our lives believing 
that you remember us and take joy in that. So, Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. You remembered us. You remembered our need to have our sin atoned for. At just the right time, your word tells us Jesus came and took our sins upon himself that that issue could be eliminated once and for all. You changed us from a life of death and eternal punishment to a life with you in heaven. And so, Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the goodness we've experienced in our lives. We thank you for your help through difficult times. And Lord, we look forward in faith and trust that you're going to continue to see us through until you call us home and there's no more pain, war, or sorrow.